0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to June's podcast series on One Month to Better Investigations and Internal Reportings. So what do you do when the call, the email, or the personal tip comes into your office where an employee reports suspicious activity somewhere literally across the globe? That activity might well turn into a Foreign Corrupt Practices Act issue for your company. In today's climate, it can turn into issues under lots of different anti corruption jurisdictions. The Brazilian Clean Companies Act, the UK Bribery Act, or even domestic anti corruption laws, such as brought GSK to bear in China. As the Chief Compliance Officer, it will be up to you to begin the process, which will determine, in many instances, how your company will respond going forward and will set the tone throughout. This most difficult period. This month's podcast series will provide to you all the steps you need to consider going forward. I'm going to take a look at independent versus in house investigations, investigation protocols, the different resources that a compliance practitioner may bring to bear in an investigation, such as internal audit, IT, and legal. And I'll take a look at special issues such as privilege. Up, John and Miranda warnings, data privacy, and, of course, the Yates memo and its effect. I think you will learn a lot this month if you follow this podcast series. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to the June podcast series. Day 17. Whom should you suspend during an investigation? Who to suspend during a FCPA investigation is always a delicate question to answer. Unfortunately, there is never an easy answer. Really the best example, recent example, rather is the Volkswagen emission testing scandal, which of course continues to reverberate even up to this day. It brings up some very naughty questions which have bedeviled chief compliance officers and compliance practitioners for many years in this area. Certainly around internal investigations, who to suspend, when to suspend or even who to discipline. In the Volkswagen investigation, the company's law firm, Jones Day, had recommended that a a large number of uh, employees be suspended. The law firm had urged suspension of anyone who could have been involved in the scam from high-level decision-makers to ordinary engineers to prevent possible perpetrators from tampering with the evidence. This is certainly problematic. Nevertheless, if the key consideration is to tie down the evidence, which from the government's perspective is probably the most important aspect of setting up an investigation so that the government feels comfortable ensuring all the data is locked down, but if you're worried about evidence tampering, you certainly have a bigger problem than the original uh, issue on your hands. But you also have to consider that if you suspend everyone in the area, to get them out of the way of the investigative process, uh, it's really hard because you're missing professional knowledge and expertise. Another issue to consider is cooperation going forward. When you suspend or discipline an employee during the pendency of an internal investigation, uh, it can bring up several very knotty issues as well. And there's, once again, no right or wrong answer here, or certainly no right answer, one right answer Um and it's a difficult question to answer and almost has to be dealt with on a case-by-case uh, basis. Uh, one compliance practitioner, Maricin, has <clears throat> said that it's uh, better to keep them around the employees as long for as long as you need them because once they're fired or have been otherwise disciplined, even if you keep them around, they're going to be less than cooperative with you, and if you fire them, they're not going to be cooperative at all. But you While you can require them to be cooperative in termination agreements, there are obviously many levels to cooperation and what cooperation might mean from someone going forward. So do you want them to cooperate in an investigation? Obviously with the Yates memo, you have to turn over uh, information about individuals as quickly as possible so that this is something that uh, you may have to um, terminate them after you've uh, turned over the information or keep them on. It also brings up questions about the role of outside counsel representing such employees, so all multiple questions. Another uh, issue is called deconfliction, and this is a a request from the Department of Justice for companies to defer in interviewing their employees' witnesses until after the government has has had the opportunity to do so. These deconfliction requests raise a number of issues for companies who want to cooperate with a government investigation. Because it doesn't allow you to move forward, and it may not allow you to fulfill the requirements of the Yates memo. Certainly, FCPA pilot program um, stated that when deconfliction is requested, it's required that a company uh, follow it to receive full credit from the problem. These uh, seem to be inconsistent um, directives in both the uh, in uh, for the Yates memo. So, what are some of the um, considerations in a deconfliction request? Well, the first one is if you comply with the deconfliction request, is, is it consistent with uh, the laws of regarding um, directors and corporate, corporate officers fiduciary duty of oversight, and will a company's Officers and directors be protected from the, by the business judgment rule. Second, can a company make decisions, how can a company make decisions about the root cause uh, if you're doing a simultaneous root cause analysis as required under the 2017 evaluation of corporate compliance documents without speaking to its employees? Companies need to make a number of decisions in the ordinary course of business that are affected by the inability to interview their employees. You need to make personnel decisions, day-to-day workflow, et cetera, as pointed out uh, in the Volkswagen case, and not knowing the facts subject to a pending investigation can raise serious concerns. Number three, how will a delay affect the company's other regulatory obligations? For instance, do you have a duty to self-report or do you have a duty to uh, turn information over to contractual counterparties or file certifications as required by sarbanes oxley So lots of questions. Uh, Unfortunately, at this point, we don't know the answers to all of these, but companies and their counsel should certainly weigh carefully the issues raised by deconfliction requests, whether or not other obligations um, uh, arise, and it may merit pushing back on the DOJ. It, coupled with the suspension issue and the requirements of the H-MEMO, really makes a requirement for some very... Uh, detailed and deliberative uh, reflection by the company and its counsel. So, what are the day's three key takeaways? Well, number one is the decision on disciplining during an investigation is not only very critical, but it's going to be a fact intensive case by case analysis. You really have to think about um, what the decision is and when you want to make it. If you need that person's cooperation going forward, that may be the primary goal. But if you're worried about uh, document destruction or evidence tampering, uh, that may lead you down uh, another path. Second, D, confliction. What are you going to do if you get a request from the government? How are you going to deal with this? Have your counsel um, face this issue before? All very difficult questions, and it could really set back your investigation in a way that you had not anticipated. Finally, and I think this is an overriding part of any investigation, and that's communicate with the government. If you get a request for a deconfliction, you may... I actually want to push back on that, but if you push back, you need to be able to explain to the government why you're doing so. Also, if you make a decision to discipline an employee, I would have that conversation with the government, explain why why you're doing it, see if they push back on you, uh, that they either advocate uh, wait, holding off on discipline or they advocate uh, terminating the, uh, the person immediately. But having open communication with the government regulators, I think, is a critical component of any investigation. I haven't talked about that a lot but if these particular issues are going to be very sensitive, and having that dialogue with the government earlier rather than later will allow you to hopefully uh, resolve any uh, potential issues that could arise, but also uh, keep the government from being surprised and uh, not being happy with you, which could lead to a reduction in your overall cooperation credit. So I hope you've enjoyed uh, Day 17 of one month to... Better Investigations and Reporting, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for Day 18. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate the podcast, as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the only one-month podcast series to a better compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much again for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for one month to better investigations and reporting. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.